G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. We have been bombarded by the secular culture about ideas and concepts in marriage that is totally foreign to the Word of God. And therefore, when we come and hear the Word of God spoken and presented to us as the blueprint, the design of God for a marriage, we bristle. I'm honestly convinced in my own heart as an analyst and as a sociologist other than just a preacher is that it really is a miracle of God that we're not in more mess than we are in. Thanks for joining listeners around the world for this episode of Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. In marriage, you and your spouse share a common love for each other, but many also share a common love for Jesus. But there are those who don't share this special spiritual bond. Well, take heart. Dr. Youssef opens the Creator's Notebook to see how to become a godly influence that may someday draw your loved one to the Savior. Here's Dr. Michael Yusuf to begin. Now let me invite you to go with me to the blueprints, to the designer's guide, to see what God's Word had to say about a contented, joyous, and happy marriage. Turn with me please to 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning verse 1 to verse 7. Whenever you get to the Scripture... Let me repeat what I've been saying, and I'll always say that, because I have seen with those eyes how heresies have started and how people went off the rails when they tried to interpret the Scripture, not in context, not only historical but theological context, and then apply it to today's life. So let's put this passage of 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7 to 7, in its historical context. In Roman society, to whom the Apostle Peter is writing at that time, it was the accepted thing that a wife should always follow and have the same religion as her husband. So in the book of Acts, whether it be Cornelius or whether it be the Philippian jailer, when the head of the household made a decision to follow Christ, the entire household followed him. So it was the normal practice when the husband becomes a Christian, the whole family became a Christian, and the wife became a Christian. That was a common practice. But here's the problem that Peter is dealing with. If the wife becomes a Christian and the husband remains as a pagan, that created a huge problem in society. Really huge. I mean, it would take me a long time to explain to you the upheaval that was created in society at the time. Now, of course, given men's temperament, which really hasn't changed very much from those early days, a husband, when he saw his wife changed and became a believer, became a Christian, when she changed her religion, if you like, in that kind of concept... The husband saw that as an incredible challenge to their manhood. They saw that as a challenge to their authority as the heads of the household. A wife at any time in the Roman Empire could add 
one, two, three, four, five gods, as many gods as she wants to, to the household gods, and that was fine by the husband. There was no problem with him. In fact, they said, the more the merrier. (laughs) We need more gods, not less. Because they felt that the more gods they have, the more protected, the more blessed, and all the rest of it. But the problem had arisen (laughs) when an unbelieving Roman husband looks at his wife and she says, Guess what? There's only one God and his name is Jesus. What? What do you mean you are abandoning all of the gods that we have been worshiping and sticking just to worshiping one God? What do you mean you are, you are doing away with all the other gods and that we will have only one God? We need more gods, not less gods. And the unbelieving Roman husband, like the unbelieving Western husband, does not understand when his wife comes home and says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. He could not understand that. So, because of the very specific problem that had arisen among the believing wives in the Roman Empire, who had married to unbelieving husbands, Peter spent six verses talking to believing wives and one verse to believing husbands. In fact, to a believing husband, I'm going to tell you a bit later on, but to a believing husband, basically, Peter has a very simple message. It really is. Very simple. Just very simple. Give away the store. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all he's saying. In verse 7, I'm going to come back to it. Here's what he's saying. He said, you know, husbands, you need to be thoughtful, caring, giving, supportive, nurturing, sensitive, understanding, and considerate. And on and on and on. Give away the store. That's what he's saying. It's a very simple thing. What Peter actually does here is give more responsibility to the Christian husband in one verse, than to the Christian wife in six. That's the truth. So now you understand why he spends six verses talking to Christian wives and one verse to a Christian husband. What does the Word of God then say to a believing wife who has an unbelieving husband? And by implication, the Word of God doesn't say that, but it's by implication, what does the Scripture say to a believing spouse who is married to an unbelieving spouse. I think that's sort of by implication more than anything else. First of all, he's saying, you don't have to use words in your witnessing. Likewise, wives, submit to your husbands, so that if any of them is not a believer, would be won over without a word being said. Let me ask you, ladies, do you really want to know what Peter's saying here? Do you really want to know? You do? Okay, then it's your fault. I'm I'm going to tell you. You asked for it. Here's, Here's what Peter is really saying. Peter knew and understood that when a wife particularly becomes a Christian, or a husband for that matter, because addressing wives, when they become a Christian, and you know when you came to the Lord, and you know the joy of walking with the Lord, you are full of enthusiasm, you are full of vim and vigor, and you're excited about your newfound faith, and all you want to do is suck at your husband. Say, you too need to come with me and become a Christian. What happens to a new Christian woman is that she does not basically yet has grown to understand the depth of the Scripture, or a new Christian of any kind, 
that conversion is the work of God. And it's going to happen in God's timing, not yours or mine. (laughs) To my chagrin, I wish it is up to me. But it is the work of God. And Peter understands that. And he's saying, look, be patient. When you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's going to be easier for you to follow the example of Christ because he's going to give you the power to follow the example of Christ. And therefore, he is saying in this passage, follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Model him in your life. Follow him. And that is why I have entitled this message, Develop your blesses characteristic. This is, this is the one who blessed you. And this is his characteristics and you need to develop it. Men and women. Now, for those of you single people, Peter's not saying anything here to you, but I can tell you the Apostle Paul in chapter 6 verse 14 of 1 Corinthians is. He's saying, don't get unequally yoked. He is saying for a Christian single person, don't marry an unbeliever. That's a word from the scripture for you. And don't ever fall into temptation and say, man, you know, I'll marry him, I'll marry her, and then I'll convert him. I'll convert her. Now, God might do that. I'm not going to second guess God. But what you're doing, you're tempting God when you break the injunction. An old Puritan gave this following advice. If you marry a child of the devil, you can expect to have trouble with your father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> You see, Peter is speaking to the spouse who became a Christian after they were married. But the scripture has other things to say to singles elsewhere. So he's saying, look, you don't have to use words when you are witnessing to your spouse. Secondly, he's saying, your inner beauty is the beauty of your character. Let the beauty of your character manifest itself. Let the beauty of your character, which is your greatest asset, speak for you. You know, in every culture and in every generation, people have different concepts of what beauty is. It really is. Our society is so mixed up right now. Our culture is so messed up right now. Society's idea of beauty today is somebody who's so thin, you can see the light through them and, you know, wear size 2 and, and size 50 in confidence. I mean, you know, we, we put so much pressure on women, it is absolutely wicked. But every society and every culture and every time, there is a concept of beauty. And that's always changing. Culture is never a static. Culture is always dynamic. Things are changing. And I pray to God that the people of God be able to change this culture so we don't have those kinds of expectations. In Peter's day, their idea of a woman's beauty, it was in spending of hours upon hours upon hours in braiding their hair. Really. That's their idea of beauty. And then once they got it all braided, they stick as much silver and gold in the hair as they can afford. So that was their idea of beauty at that time. The apostle Peter is saying, look, there is a principle here about beauty that you might not have thought about. So what is that principle? The principle is this. Modest dress. And modest appearance that would not attract attention to yourself is the principle here. Certainly the Apostle Paul deals with those issues both to the Corinthians and when he writes to Timothy. And he deals with a woman's dress particularly 
in worship, in the church. And the point the Apostle Paul makes in those, and I think Peter extends it here, is that ladies don't dress provocatively. That's what he's saying. He is saying, be modest in your dress. Why? Because the focus of worship should be on God and not you. Peter is saying that there is a form of beauty that is more precious, that is more impacting, that is more powerful, that is more arresting. And that is the beauty of your godly character. Peter is not saying, go around looking haggard. (laughs) He's not saying that. Absolutely a million no. So don't go outside saying, well, Michael said, you know, I can look haggard. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. (laughs) Peter is saying, look nice. But be sure that your inner beauty of character shines through in your life. That's what he's saying. Someone said, you know, a beautiful young person is an accident. But a beautiful older person is a work of art. (laughs) I love that. The inner beauty of gentle spirit. You know what? I spend hours trying to find out the real biblical definition. What does scripture mean? What does Peter mean by the beauty of a gentle spirit? What does that mean? It means, ladies, that you're not critical. It means that you are not pushy or aggressive or assertive. It means that you are not whining all the time. It means that you are not a spokesman on every subject, every time and everywhere. But rather the beauty of inner character that speaks words of encouragement, speaks words of wisdom, speaks words of uplifting people and encouraging people. It speaks words of wise counsel when the need arises. That's what the beauty of the inner character means. You don't have to use words to witness to your unbelieving spouse. Your inner beauty is your greatest asset And we'll speak volumes. And thirdly, the Apostle Peter said, Your submission to God will liberate you from all forms of fear. Look at the second part of verse 6. It's right there. What Peter is trying to tell us is that there are different levels of submission. He is saying that your submission to God must be first and foremost than other submissions to other human authorities. And here he says to wives... That your submission to God should be above your submission to your husband. Look at the second part of verse 6. He said, if you do right, then let nothing terrifies you. That's what he's saying. He is saying that to a believing wife in the Roman culture, indeed to our culture, that if you fear God and not your husband, you will find joy in ministering to your unbelieving husband. If you place God in his rightful place in your marriage and your life, your unbelieving husband will be a great blessing to you. That if you honor God and his word above all else in life, you will have confidence and inner peace that the world can never understand. In verse 6, He is saying that because you fear God, you have nothing and no one else to fear. That's what he's saying here. You don't have to use words in your witnessing. Your inner beauty is your greatest asset. Your submission to God will liberate you from fear. Fourthly and finally, Peter is saying to the Christian husband, 
that you must know everything that is to be known about your wife. He's saying, get a doctoral degree in studying her. (laughs) Do whatever it takes to live with her according to knowledge. That's what it means. You cannot love, serve, and minister to your wives until you really know your wives. That's what he's saying here. I told you Peter gives more responsibility to Christian husband in one verse and in six verses to Christian wives. And I want you to just think about this. Just think about what he's saying here. That's a loaded verse. I could take several sermons on that verse alone. It is a loaded verse. Think about it. He's saying, you've got to know your wives, man. To know your wife, to live with her according to knowledge, you must know what brings her joy and what pains her. You must know what encourages her and lifts her up and what discourages her. You must study her and know what blesses her and what causes her grief and and, and dread. He is saying, live with your wife according to knowledge. What does that mean? It means that you have got to understand when your wife wants to talk to you and be ready to talk to her. Guys, let me tell you something. That often is in the middle of your favorite news program or sports program. (laughs) So living with your wife according to knowledge means that you need to be ready watching your favorite news or sports program, but your finger is on the mute button. That's what living according to... I'm giving it to you right down practical, you know, life now, okay? Living with your wife according to knowledge. Listen to me, please. I'm, I'm coming to probably the very heart of this passage, the most important part. Living with your wives, or with your husbands for that matter, according to knowledge, does not mean you pander to your wife or give in to your wife. That is not what Peter's saying. That, I am convinced, is the opposite of what Peter's saying. Why? Why is he saying that? Because he knows that sooner or later, pandering and giving in just because you could not take the time and the energy and the effort to know your wife, giving in is going to backfire and is going to cause more harm than good. Pandering and giving in is not the same as being in unity, which is he's asking us to do right here. Being in agreement is very different from just giving in. Being in harmony is very different when we just say, okay, keep the peace. No. Pandering and giving in will not get your prayers answered. But being united together in soul, body, and spirit, being united together in purpose and in prayer will answer your prayers. That is the very secret for answered prayers. You don't have to say amen. I want you to look at verse 7. It doesn't say pandering or giving in so that your prayers might be answered. No, 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 no. He's saying be in agreement. He's saying be united in heart, spirit, and soul so that your prayers may be answered. Or as some of your translation probably have it, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Same thing. From the book of Amos. Can two walk together unless they agree? To Jesus in Matthew 18, when two of you agree on something, 
and ask the Heavenly Father, He will answer it. Peter comes in here. He heard the Lord Jesus say these things. He heard Him teach these important, very important principles for spiritual growth. And Peter comes in and he says, You know, the microcosm for answered prayer is the unity between husband and wife. I am personally convicted. And I'm personally convinced that the one thing that will bless you and bring answers to your prayer is unity of the Spirit. will be in the home, the church, any institution that fears God. Unity of Spirit. And guess who knows that? The devil. <laughs> he knows that as much as you do, more than you do. He knows that this is a source of spiritual power in your life. He knows that's a source of spiritual strength in your life. So what does he do? He goes around dividing people. He goes around dividing husbands and wives. He goes around dividing families. He goes around dividing churches. And the secret to prayer, and to answer prayer, says the Apostle Peter, is when husband and wife are in total Agreement. Someone might say, well, wait a minute. Well, what if we don't agree? What if we can't agree? Wait until you do. Because giving in is not going to bless you. What's the rush? Wait until you do. And if you believe God and you come to God in prayer, in unity, God will change hearts. God will perform miracles. God is going to do great and mighty things than you could ever imagine. Because that's His Word, not mine. My wife would testify to you to the experiential truth of this promise. We have claimed that promise literally more than a dozen times in our lives. We have claimed the promise of God when we came together in agreement and God answered our prayers time and time and time again. It would be impossible for me to doubt it because God promised it and God always keeps His promises and God not only answered our prayers beyond our expectations, I know He wants to answer your prayers. Thank you for listening to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Hear Dr. Youssef on the radio, through the Leading the Way app and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Leading the Way is also available on iHeart, Spotify, Apple, Google, and of course your favorite podcast app. Learn more at ltw.org. While you're at that website, you may want to take a look at the helpful free resources Dr. Yusuf is making available. That website again, ltw.org. Click on Store, then look for Free Digital Resources. There are lots of items there. Take a moment and see what might be helpful for you where you are in life. Here's one that might be of interest. It's called How to Pray for Unsaved Family Members. If you have a burden to pray for an unsaved loved one, it's often hard to know where to start. Well, this resource offers six powerful and practical Bible verses that you can pray for those in your life who don't yet know Jesus. Plus, Dr. Yusuf offers four principles to consider as you pray. Visit ltw.org and get your copy of How to Pray for an Unsaved Family Member and you'll discover renewed faith in God, who is mighty to save. That website again is ltw.org. Click on Store, then look for the Digital Resources link. Visit ltw.org today 
to grow in your relationship with Christ. God is the one who always reaching out to us. God is the one who always wants to bless us. God is the one who always trying to pursue us. Strengthen your faith as you watch, listen to, and read sound biblical teaching from Dr. Michael Youssef. New programs and articles are posted daily. Receive encouragement as you hear miraculous stories of God moving here at home and around the world through Vision 2025, a strategic ministry expansion plan to reach as many people as possible for Christ by 2025. Take a quick break and receive spiritual refreshment as you read one of Dr. Yusuf's daily e-devotionals. Everything on ltw.org can be easily shared through email or your favorite social media platform making it easier than ever to tell others about Christ. Visit ltw.org today. Be encouraged and join our global gospel movement. Oh, and make sure you're listening tomorrow for a very special program from Dr. Yusuf. Recently, he participated in a very special evangelistic event in Ireland, and he wants to share portions of these programs with you. You'll not want to miss this unique program on Leading the Way. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.